Hey guys, Clay Edwards here. I want to tell you real quick about RC Lawn Care. My buddy Richard Coley is going to be the guy you need to contact for all of your lawn maintenance needs. You can reach him at 601-502-3529. They offer roof-to-curb service, blowing off the roof, gutter cleaning, basic lawn care, including mow, trim, edge, and blow, full lawn cleanup, trash removal, garden supplies delivered, pine straw installs, driveway, and sidewalk pressure washing. If grass is growing, you need RC Lawn Care mowing. Again, 601-502-3529. Richard Coley at RC Lawn Care. Proud sponsor of the Clay Edwards Show podcast. Breaking rules when necessary. Good morning, it's Friday, and you're listening to the Clay Edwards Show here on 103.9 WYAB, Central Mississippi Stimulating Talk. Thanks for tuning in. As you may can tell, I am not Clay Edwards. Clay needed a day off. Look, radio is a tough business. It is draining. I know firsthand, I had the early hour here on WYAB before Clay for my show, Liberty Wake Up Call, and it will beat on you. Talking for days on end, five days a week. So y'all give Clay some love on social media and wish him a good day off. I'm glad to stand in for him. I am Stephen Utroska. And as always, please get out and support our local advertisers and sponsors. We here at WAB take no government funding, and we couldn't do it without you, your support based on the LWC Index. We are the number one radio station in central Mississippi that doesn't take government funding or tax dollars for advertising. So get out and support our advertisers. Glad to be on for Clay this morning. Got a good show coming up. We are now about two and a half weeks away from the elections here in Mississippi. And a lot could happen. A lot can change over the next four years, depending on what you, the voters, get out and do. Coming up on August 8th. But I got today coming up a couple good interviews on the program. Both will be by phone, so the phone lines will be tied up, but you're welcome to text into the show. The text number that I'm going to use, my old Liberty Wake Up Calls dedicated text in line. So take note, that number is 601-879-4779. That's different from Clay's normal text in line number. Again, that number is 601-879-4779. Feel free to text in to that number. Coming up next hour, we'll have Representative Steve Hawkins. He is the founding chairman of the Mississippi Freedom Caucus. He'll discuss some things that the caucus has going on, including some endorsements they've made in the race. And one of their latest pushes is against the woke liberal ideology and Marxist ideology trickling through America's library system with the American Library Association's new self-professed Marxist president, So stay tuned next hour to hear from Representative Steve Hopkins. But this hour, I already have on the phone here with me today is former Senator Tony Smith. Tony, thanks for coming on. Hey, good morning, Stephen. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Good always to talk with you. You and I have known each other for a number of years now. Uh, You are a former senator, uh, state senator here in Mississippi. Uh, I want to give the, the listener just a little bit of background uh, some so they know a little bit about you, uh, but then I want to talk to you about the elections, uh, what you see coming up. So you know, you're previously a state senator uh, down on the coast, Picayune area. You're also a businessman down there, have a, a fantastic family-owned barbecue restaurant, Stone Walls. I'll 
give you a shout out encourage anybody if they're down in that area stop by and get some barbecue from your your restaurant there uh, but you you spent some time in the state senate and then went on to spend a couple years on the state parole board uh, but you know really why i wanted to have you on i want to talk you know get your thoughts about the election some of what's going on down in S- south mississippi you know we here in central mississippi don't hear much about some of the races down in south mississippi uh, but particularly, I want to talk about the lieutenant governor's race uh, between you know Dilbert Hoseman and uh, Chris McDaniel. Uh, I thought you would probably have a unique perspective of you know McDaniel himself. Uh, you worked alongside Chris in the Senate, you know, prior to Dilbert, you know, coming in office. Uh, I, I thought that you'd be able to give the listeners kind of an unbiased perspective of Chris. Uh, I, I see a lot of. You know, the current senators, you know, they're coming out and saying how great Delbert is and this and that, but they're under his thumb. You know, he's pressuring them and threatening them, and I've heard that behind closed doors time and time again. And so I wanted to hear from you and your perspective. Well, Stephen, thank you. Uh, yeah, you know, one of the, the greatest honors I had was to serve uh, Senate District 47 back in 12 when I was elected, and uh, that's when I became uh friends with Chris McDaniel and uh, Chris was one of the first senators to reach out to me after my election offered me any help that he could uh, could provide and uh, we sort of uh, created a pretty good friendship over that time and went through some pretty good wars Uh, and so the Senate is a unique place and uh, you know under the leadership of uh, Tate Reeves at that time and so uh, you know the the lieutenant governor does control that Senate and uh, he can he can really apply a lot of pressure to to get the results he's looking for and you know what I can say about Chris is that a lot of the stuff you're hearing out there right now you know there's a lot of uh, I would call them lies being told now um, the desperate campaign trying to uh, find some traction but you know Chris is one that I found who was always willing to fight and and I think one of the rubs that maybe he causes amongst some of his his colleagues is that he is ultra conservative. And, you know, when you compare that to other Republicans, uh, it, it might not measure up so much to what they think a Republican is. And so he brings to light a lot of weaknesses in, in some of the senators and uh, in some of their positions. Now, I've never heard him speak ill of any of his senator colleagues. Um, I think Chris is uh, one that, that treats people fair. Uh, but at times he just calls it like it is. And if that rubs you raw, then that's sort of what you get, you know, but, um, but I believe Chris is, uh, prepared well, and I think he'd make a great Lieutenant governor for us. And, uh, so, uh, I would like to say, you know, even when I was in the Senate, the Lieutenant governor does put pressure on you. And, um, you know, I was in timeout. That's what we referred to it a couple of times <laughs> with, uh, governor Reeves and, uh, you know, and, and your legislation gets killed and, um, you know, your bill might not get out of committee. So, um, there's a lot of power there uh, between the lieutenant governor and his chairman. So, yeah, uh, yeah I will say that, you know, I have heard, you know, there's a lot of current senators coming out and supporting Delbert. And, you know, I have heard, though, behind closed doors, and, you know, I get kind of a, a behind closed doors look at a lot of times at things. And that's what, you know, my show, Liberty Wake Up Call, that I had here on 1039 was about, you know, that was during session. I covered the session, you know, on my show, and it was about, you know, behind closed doors trying to bring truth and let people know all the corruptness that's in the legislature and what goes on. But I have heard from, you know, multiple senators 
that they have been, you know, so pressured by Delbert, basically saying, hey, I'm going to strip you of your chairmanship. I'm going to, you know, kill any bill that your name is on if you publicly support Chris McDaniel. So I've heard, you know, a lot of these guys who are publicly supporting Delbert behind closed doors are going and telling their friends and family, like, you know, this guy's terrible. He's not a conservative. You know, he's anything but a conservative. And telling their friends and family to support Chris because, you know, one of the things that, that the Delbert campaign keeps saying is Chris is so ineffective. But we, look, you know, I, I work with, you know, for the State Freedom Caucus Network. I support the Mississippi Freedom Caucus. And that is the exact same lie we hear from the establishment all the time about the caucus is they're just ineffective. They don't get bills passed. They don't, you know, they never get anything passed with their name on it. They don't do anything. They're not passing any bills. But it's because leadership is killing everything. So we know the game. We play the game. Chris, Chris knows the game. Same thing in the Senate like the caucus has in the House. He's not going to get anything passed in his name because – leadership continuously kills it so what does he do he just has you know a friend like you you know an ally introduce it in their name and so to say that chris hasn't passed any legislation in the last 10 years or to say that chris is ineffective is just completely hogwash i mean it's it it is nothing more than you know smoke and mirrors that's what they like to do that's what you know leadership likes to do they like to pretend like they're conservative and use smoke and mirrors that's all that is because chris is absolutely i would say probably one of the most effective members of the legislature uh, certainly on the senate side because he gets bills passed they're just not in his name he fights right. bills on the floors he, he he gets up and speaks eloquently uh, he's a very strong you know, speaker on the floor he gets up and he fights for a lot of these bills and brings attention to him so to say he's ineffective is it, i mean it's just a lie right well see i believe the fact that they're just saying that shows you uh, how effective he is. He's so effective that Lieutenant Governor has chosen not to allow his bills to come out. Um, you know, when you're, when you're putting politics before policy, when you're putting politics before the, 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 the good of the people, there's something wrong with that. And the Lieutenant Governor has done that exactly. Um, you know, I've been told that, you know, he's been, he's, he's sent word, kill these bills, don't let these bills out. We're going to we're going to double refer McDaniel's bills. And, you know, so he must be pretty effective if they're killing all his stuff um, just so he can't uh, get a bill passed in his name for political reasons. So um, I, I would argue the same as you is that Chris has been very effective and there's been a lot of legislation uh, that has passed that is a direct result of him on the floor swaying votes or, de- or defeating bad bills. Yeah. I mean, like you said, on the floor, I, Chris McDowell, there's nobody better on the floor uh, than, at the well than, you know, anybody else up there. So uh, I would have him argue my case all day long, and, and Chris uh, is very good at that. Yeah, I think one of the funny things about them calling him ineffective is uh, last year, uh, you know, there was a COVID-19 bill that came up that, you know, basically would, would provide religious exemptions uh, you know, if you have a sincerely held religious belief against, you know, any COVID mandates in the state of Mississippi, so they were passing a bill to allow that. Everybody, I think, you know, pretty much, you know, supported it, at least Republicans. You know, some of the Democrats weren't supporting it, but, you know, most of the Republicans were supporting that bill. Well, Chris made an amendment on the floor uh, for that bill that would have, you know, extended the same religious exemption mandate uh, to you know, basically all vaccines, not just COVID-19, and it would have extended to everybody, not just working adults. And, uh, you know, Delbert called it uh, not germane to the bill, which it absolutely 100% was. 
And Chris knew that constitutionally we had to allow that as the state. Mississippi has to allow that. We haven't for, you know, I don't know, two decades. Mississippi hasn't allowed a religious exemption for any vaccines that are mandated by the state. And Chris knew constitutionally that the state had to do that and was trying to put that in this bill. Made sense, 100 percent, you know, made sense to put that in this bill. You know, this year, you know, after the fact, there was a lawsuit filed against the state because of it. And in federal court, you know, the lawsuit won that Mississippi now has a religious exemption for all vaccines. So Chris knew that. Chris knew that was happening, knew that constitutionally we had to do that as a state. So made this, you know, amendment. Delbert killed it. Delbert killed his floor amendment. And Chris called into question Delbert's leadership in that. Basically made a parliamentary motion on the floor saying, I call into question leadership's decision on killing this amendment. And when they do that, that's only happened, to, to my understanding, that's only happened twice in the last 40 years. And the last time it happened, you know, before Chris, the last time in the last 40 years it happened, when the guy did it, it went to a floor vote, and the only person that voted against the uh, lieutenant governor was the member who made the motion himself. He got one vote, and that was his own vote. Chris McDaniel made the vote last year, brought up the motion, made the vote, and he pulled half, half of the Republicans to support him in that. So Chris McDaniel was able, his leadership was able to get half of the Republicans to vote against Delbert Hoseman. So to say he's not effective or he's not an effective leader, that seems pretty effective when a state senator is able to get half of his colleagues to step up and vote against the power of the lieutenant governor on the floor. Seems pretty effective. Absolutely, and. You know, and there's just so many lies that, that keep spreading. And, uh, you know, like one of the, the latest things is, you know, Chris, don't show up for work, missing votes. And, and I think right now they're talking about like HB 13, I believe it was, it's the uh, school library porn bill yeah. um, that that they said that Chris was not there for. Well, comes to find out when you look at the Senate record, Chris was in attendance and Chris voted yes for that bill. Yeah. So, you know, on their push cards, on their direct mail pieces and everything, they're trying to paint a picture of someone uh, that's not Chris McDaniel. And to me, there again, it, it illustrates a campaign that's struggling and they're trying to find their way. And if you're not a conservative Republican, you shouldn't be running in the Republican primary, in my opinion. And uh, so we've yeah. got a mess going on. And um, and look, Stephen, even, you know, there's been a lot of debate on the, the South Mississippi Women's Clinic. You know, they're they're arguing that Oh, Delbert was just uh, an advisor. Uh, you know, he was just an attorney there. Well, that's not really the case. And uh, the documentation that you can find it on Facebook, go Senator McDaniel's Facebook page. The documentation there, uh, the Mississippi uh, Secretary of State uh, website even has the, uh, the uh, uh, I guess, the form where, you know, that he it's was the annual report. LLC. That's right, the annual yeah. report. Um, and so it's proven that Delbert was the vice president of an abortion clinic from about 1976 to, I don't know, 89, 90-ish. Um, yeah. And the legal documents verify it. Um, it shows that he was the vice president, so at least not eight, uh, 1989. So right. in his only defense, this is what's amazing to me, his only defense is that the uh, abortion doctor. He, he tried to write some kind of letter saying that Delbert, uh, it was all a miscommunication. That, that wasn't right. It, was, it wasn't correct. Well, you've got an abortion doctor who is your defender. So, um, you know, I just encourage people to, to look at the facts, 
you know, go and do your research, look at the document, check the date, look at the names, and make a decision for yourself if our lieutenant governor is being honest with people in Mississippi. Yeah, and I haven't I haven't verified this, but I saw someone uh, someone messaged me saying that that doctor, the abortion doctor, had actually been a a, a prior uh, political donor to Delbert Hoseman too. I understand that that is the case uh, that he has given money to Delbert in, in elections. I don't know about this particular cycle, but. Yeah. Uh, but yes, in the past, uh, that's my understanding also. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, look, this is one when, when they first came out. When Delbert first came out, you know, of course, Delbert was a, a tax attorney uh, in his profession. That's what he did before he got into politics. And uh, one of the things that you know they first, some of the first things he was coming out saying, his campaign was coming out and saying, it was like, oh, we didn't have anything to do with, you know, I wasn't really a director, even though it says on the paperwork he was a director. I wasn't really the vice president. That was an error, even though it says it on the paperwork that he was. But he was basically trying to come out, come out and say, well, I just did the financial side of it. You know, I was just their attorney, I was just doing the money side of it. But like, I don't, I don't know that that makes it any better. Okay, so you're you're, you're <laughs> handling the financial side to the abortion clinic. Yeah. Does that Profiting really from abortion? Does that yeah. yeah? Does that really make it that much better? So I I don't you know I don't know. Look, we're coming up on a commercial break. I got here on the line with me is a former Senator Tony Smith. He uh, was in the Senate with Chris McDaniel. Has an unbiased opinion about Chris. Uh, someone who's not under Delbert Hoseman's thumb right now and under his uh, you know, very firm hand and pressure. Uh, so glad to have him on the line. Listen to the Clay Edwards Show. We'll take a quick break. I am Stephen Utrowska filling in for Clay. When we get back, we'll keep this conversation rolling with uh, Tony Smith. But with that, we'll take a quick break, and we will be right back. Breaking rules when necessary. Welcome back to the Clay Edwards Show. I'm Steve Utroska, guest hosting for Clay today on his day off. Got here on the line with me is former Senator Tony Smith. Tony, you still there with me? I'm here. All right. So we're talking about the lieutenant governor's race this year. I mean, look. I mean, so Dilbert's running. You know, he's even running ads on on one and three nine here, uh, and and this station being under the rules, the FCC. When it comes to elections, we can't refuse electoral ads if we allow those for one candidate. You have to allow them for the other. So Dilbert's running ads, even here, false ads, talking about you know all the great things that he's done, uh, you know, and then trying to slander Chris McDaniel. Uh, but I can tell you, you know, I've been involved in the legislature, you know, over the last four years uh, with Delbert, been working there in the legislature every year during his term. And I can tell you just about every one of the great things that he's running on, that he's campaigning on, were passed in spite of Delbert, not because of him. I mean, he was literally the roadblock on just about every single conservative piece of legislation that was passed over the last four years. You're talking about you know, cutting grocery tax. He hasn't allowed that. Income tax elimination You know, hasn't allowed full elimination. Even when we got the, the uh, tax cut, we did get an income tax cut two years ago. But, I mean, he was the biggest roadblock in that. The, the House passed it, you know, passed two, two years in a row. The, the, uh, the House passed a full, complete elimination. First year it had some issues, uh, and I wasn't necessarily a big supporter of that first year. But the second year, last year, when they finally passed it, the House passed a full elimination that was actually a pretty decent bill, and it got to the Senate. And what they do, they completely cut it down from a full elimination to just a tax cut. And then Delbert wouldn't even want to talk about another tax cut this year, you know. And then the uh, the, the the men and women's sports, Delbert was going to kill that bill, 
he let it, you know, it laid on the uh, on the calendar until literally right before midnight on uh, uh, on the uh, deadline day. I mean, right before midnight, he was using that bill as a negotiation tool on one of his crooked crony, you know, bills that he wanted passed, and he was using it as a tool. He didn't care anything about that bill. He didn't care about men and women's sports. He wasn't trying to pass that. He used it and was willing to let it die on the calendar if he didn't get what he wanted. So he used it as a negotiating tool to try to swap votes with senators on that. I mean, he has been, you know, he he, he wants to talk about in all his ads on his mailers, and I know everybody in Mississippi is getting all his mailers that he's dropping millions of dollars on, talking about how great a conservative he is. But look at our legislature. The American Conservative Union rates our, our legislature right now is purple, with the Senate, I think the Senate's got an average voting record in the, the either upper 50s or low 60s. How can you say that a leader like Delbert Hoseman, who's leading that chamber, is anything close to a conservative? Well, that's, that's true, Stephen. And, uh, you know, what is ironic about that? You mentioned the bill that he, he let go all the way to the uh, deadline. You know, I believe that was Senator Hill had pushed for that. Right, it was. It was her bill. Yes, and I'm proud to say she's my senator from down here in Pearl River County. And, uh, you know, it, it, she had a six-page bill, from my understanding, you know, and it, it it banned boys from going to girls' bathrooms and vice versa. Well, I, I think after they got through with it, they struck that page, that bill down to, to maybe two pages or four pages or something. Yeah. So they took a lot of good meat out of that. And talking about, you know, if you don't have a moral compass of where you're at politically – with your uh, conservative values, you just teeter-totter back and forth, and, and that's what Delbert's done. He, you know, I think it's pretty much proven that Delbert's a Democrat. We can look at the legislative record now that he has one and what he's pushed. Um, there's no doubt. And so he, he has manipulated and, and worked with these senators to try to get stuff done. And, and like you said, if it weren't for some of the good, strong leader, you know, senators that we do have, a lot of this legislation would have never passed. And so, you know, I want to applaud those that do stand up and, and, and at least fight, you know, as like Senator McDaniel has done. Uh, you know, there's like Lindsey Beckham and Moms for Liberty. You know, they pushed certain things. And, man, she just fought so hard to get some of that stuff done. And, um, you know, when you're a Republican majority in the state of Mississippi, a tax cut should be easy. Reducing the size of government should be easy. Doing pro-family legislation should be easy. Giving more uh, parental rights to the parents, let the parents decide for these children. And so, you know, what we're seeing, and you see this across the nation, the government's trying to become more involved. And I'm telling you, in Mississippi, that does not resonate with those folks that I know. Yeah. Uh, down here in South Mississippi, we're conservative. We're looking for a leader who's going to fight that fight. We need people that can go to, to war with people like Ron DeSantis in Florida, uh, Tennessee, Texas. I mean, you know, um, we've got friends out there in the southeast and other areas that Mississippi needs to be a part of. And I think for us to get there, we've got to have strong conservative leader. And I think Chris would be the right guy for this. Um, you know, let's just even talk about this, Stephen. You know, there's 16 Democrats that are in the Senate. Well, he's appointed 13 of those. Yeah. He's powerful Senate chairmanship. And, you know, when it comes up for a conservative bill, do you think those guys are going to let a bill like that out of their committee? Absolutely not. 
And so, you know, people need to understand that. Um, and, and, you know, Delbert told Donald Trump to go jump in the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, what is that all about when I think President Trump, we all would argue that our economy was very vibrant under Donald Trump. Yeah. And so um, killing the state income tax is ridiculous. Expanding Medicaid. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that people need to really pay attention to, to the facts, not the, not those mail outs, the little nice little TV commercials and, and the nice little lady on a bench. You need to look at the record and make sure that before you cast your vote, that person represents the values that you think are important to you as a Mississippian. Yep. Yeah, I just saw this morning uh, an article from yesterday. Uh, Greg Abbott in Texas just signed a Parents' Bill of Rights uh, legislation in in Texas. And, you know, we had that bill this year in the legislature, had a bill, you know, introduced the Parents' Bill of Rights, dead. You know, we got a supermajority of Republicans, both chambers, House and Senate, and we can't pass a, a parent's bill of rights? Are you kidding me? I mean, is that a joke? We can't pass that. And the bills that do pass with supermajority are poking. But like you said, Delbert Hoseman, I mean, he is the one, the lieutenant governor is the one who makes the appointments for chairmanships. And he appointed 13 of 16 Democrats as chairman. And there were Republicans who didn't have chairmanships at all. There were Republicans that he could have chosen to place in those positions and instead chose Democrats. And I can tell you, that doesn't happen anywhere. That doesn't happen anywhere else. There's no other state that they do that. Look at Congress. I mean, when when the Republicans took over control of the House last year, uh, you know, we took over the House. uh, The 2022 elections last year took over the House. McCarthy was installed as... Uh, the Speaker of the House this year, early this year, you know, in January when the Republicans took office and took control, they voted in McCarthy after a, a lot of back and forth. Uh, he finally got elected as um, as Speaker. Do you think he appointed any Democrats to chairmanships in the House when the Republicans took over in Congress? No. Why Why do we have a party? What's the point of having a party system? Why? What's the point of being Republicans and fighting for the conservative values that we have, a, a platform, Republican Party platform, what is the point of fighting for those values and saying that we stand for those and then just turning over all the power that we just got elected for to Democrats? Absolutely. You know, one of the arguments they're making, and I've heard uh, Delbert say this, is that, oh, those freshmen, they're just not ready to be a chairman because it's so important. Okay, well, in that statement alone, you're admitting that chairmanship is pretty important. But I would argue that any day we should point a freshman Republican over any seasoned Democrat. Yeah. So, I mean, it just does not make any sense. And, uh, you know, there's 42 committees, I believe, right now in the state Senate. It's grown a good bit since I served. Well, you know, then their other argument, well, we don't have enough, uh, we don't have enough Republicans to fill them. Well, you know what? I think we need to get rid of some of the committees. Absolutely. And then you've got six Republicans sitting on the sideline. They need a chairmanship. Yeah, 100%. And I think under, Chris, under Chris's leadership, I mean, he has said there will not be a Democrat chairman. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I believe that that's, that's, that's just the consequences of elections. Yeah. You know, you look at the, the national uh, debate, Democrats aren't our friends when it comes to policy. And I'm not saying they're bad people, but their policies are bad. And yep. we don't need that ideology in any kind of committee chairmanship in Mississippi. And we've got to block that. 
Yeah. Well, I think, you know, uh, Senator Daniel Sparks has gone around. You know, he's he's been kind of Delbert's uh, front man to go around and, and you know, do his bidding for him. And uh, and Daniel Sparks, by the way, uh, just on about every conservative scorecard you look at, it's got, you know, a, a D or 60 percent or something. So he's not the pinnacle of conservative values. Uh, and I've worked with Daniel, you know, I've worked with him on bills, but he's just, you know, he's, he's not a conservative. Uh, but he's going around doing Delbert's bidding, and he even said, "Look, when I first got there as a you know a freshman, you know I, I don't think that I need to be in a chairmanship. I you know I th- I would rather a, a seasoned Democrat have it than me." And my first thought was, "Are you kidding me? Like I would much rather have a freshman Republican who at least has conservative values, you know, leading a chairmanship than a seasoned Democrat who one is liberal and doesn't believe anything that we believe." as far as the way government should, you know, run. But then they're also, that makes it even worse that they're seasoned Democrats because they know how to play the game and they know how to get their legislation passed more so than a freshman conservative. So that makes it even worse to say that you're going to put a seasoned Democrat in a chairmanship than a, you know, a, a freshman Republican. To me, that's that's worse. Why would you make that argument? Right. I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. And, and, you know, and I hope the listeners here... They, you know, hope to see through all that, that, you know, we have got to continue to fight because it won't be many years. I mean, the Republicans, at the rate we're going, we're going to be back in the minority. Yeah. And, you know, if we don't govern properly now and try to set Mississippi on the right path, we're just going to expedite us getting to that point. And, uh, you know, I, I just can't stress enough how, how important it is to go out and vote uh, in the Republican primary and and, and vote for Chris McDaniel. Uh, I mean, the, the proof's there. I mean, we, we, we don't need to, to allow someone who's running a campaign based on uh, untruths, not being honest with the voters of, of our state. You know, my thought is, if you're if you're liberal, why don't you just run as a Democrat? Be honest about who you are. Yep. You know, I give Brandon Presley credit. He's running who he is, you know. Yep. Um, and so, uh, you know, and I, oh, <laughs> that just made me think, you know, I saw a, a post shared on Facebook. Not, I don't know if it was last week or whatever. The number one follower at that time on Brandon Presley's Facebook was Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hose. <laughs> well, you know, b- birds of the same feather flock together. So, all right, look, we're up on a commercial break. Uh, let's take another commercial break. You'll be back when we come back. Yes. Okay. Yes, perfect. You. All right, well, you listen to the Clay Edwards Show, 103.9 WYAB. I am Steve Mutroska filling in for Clay today on his day off. Y'all give him some love on social media. He needs a break and glad to be able to give it to him today. You're listening to 103.9. We'll take a quick break, and we will be right back. Breaking rules when necessary. Welcome back to the Clay Edwards Show. I am Steve Mutroska filling in for Clay today on his day off. Thanks for tuning in. Still got here with me is former Senator uh, Tony Smith's on the line talking about the lieutenant governor's race. Uh, look, I mean, even in the break, there was a Delbert Hoseman uh, commercial playing. Again, we're under FCC rules. If we allow anybody to advertise on our station, political advertising, we have to open that up to all candidates. We can't you know, pick or choose who we want to allow. So he's running ads here on the station, but I can tell you, uh, they are certainly misinformation or misdirections with what he's saying. Uh, they're, they're not the whole truth, uh, talking about, you know, again, all his great accomplishments, the trans transgender ideologies that Delbert's fighting. Again, we just talked about Tony and I were just talking on the air last segment, talking about how he, 
he tried to kill that bill. I mean, he was going to let Angela Hill, Senator Angela Hill, who is now uh, the senator down where Tony Smith was senator, he, he was going to kill Angela's bill. He was going to kill her bill that would have kept men out of women's sports, and he was going to let it die. And he eventually let it pass, literally in the last hour, right before midnight, on deadline day, he finally let that bill pass because he was using it as a tool to pass a, a crooked, crony medical marijuana bill that would have had you know uh, a completely restricted market. It, w- it would have only had a couple of licenses on it that would have basically given you know some of these large you know huge corporation mar- medical marijuana companies who are national companies who were giving to, to my understanding were giving Delbert Hoseman some you know uh, campaign contributions. He was going to restrict the market so they could come in, just like they've done in uh, Arkansas. And the company out of Arkansas is the one that I kept hearing the name circle around the, the capital at. But he was using that uh, men and women's sports bill as a leverage tool for his crooked crony medical marijuana bill, which ultimately died. And then the following year, Lee Yancey kind of championed along an actual free market medical marijuana bill that ultimately passed, and that's what we have in place now. But, I mean... Delbert Hoseman is not even close to being a conservative when you look at the policy. He, you know, during campaign season, we see it time and time again. But, you know, they got to run on something. They got to pretend like they're a conservative so people will vote for them. But then very few people are able to actually follow what goes on in the legislature. Uh, but, Tony, I know because you were a former senator, you certainly still keep track of what goes on in the legislature. And Delbert's just not a conservative. That's right, Stephen. And, you know, I think uh, I think that people realize this, um, you know, he is he has gotten his liberal friends together. They have raised a ton of money. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I was thinking about this yesterday. I heard that uh, for Neshoba County Fair that um, they're recruiting people. They're going to bus people in. And I, and I say they, the, the Hoseman campaign, they're going to recruit people, bring them in on buses, give them a free T-shirt, buy their lunch. And I was thinking, what a contrast. Christmas supporters are coming there. But you know what? They're driving their own car. They're yep. buying their own T-shirt. And they're probably going to pick up their own lunch, possibly. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a whole different um, you know, view of Mississippi. Yep. And the Mississippi I live in, Chris McDaniel represents. You know, I want my freedom. I don't want the government telling me how to raise my children. I don't want the government to tell me how I need to run my restaurant. And just let us let us be Americans. Yep. And I think I think our state would prosper. You know, going back to that state income tax, uh, one of the conferences I attended as a state senator, I came out of there really enlightened and not even thinking about this. But it, Travis Brown spoke to us, and he's he's written a book. It's, it's called How Money Walks. And now, you know, with the the data collection that the IRS has, they can they can track uh, income as it moves around. But what it showed was that all of these states with state income tax, with grocery taxes, you know, lo- high local taxes and all, people were leaving those states because regardless of where you live, your federal taxes are the same, whether you live in Montana or Mississippi. The federal tax is the same. But you can shop local taxes. And that is a big driver where people want to move to to bring jobs because if, if their employees don't have to pay a state income tax, that's, that's a little extra bonus. And so for our Republican leadership to ignore that is ridiculous. So 
I'm just going to tell you, Chris has said on the campaign stump, and I believe it, his, his number one goal is to eliminate that state income tax. Yep. Now, he's going to have to get some, uh, you know, some senators go with him. But I believe that you'll see him fight for that. You're going to see him fight for an elimination of the grocery tax. Uh, and, you know, there's argument, well, how are you going to make up to the municipalities their, their, their loss of revenue? Well, you know, the state takes a, a larger chunk of the sales tax diversion than it did in the past. Yeah, I, bl- I believe they divert back, what is it, 18.5%? That's right. And it used, it used to be like 20%. Well, you know what? With all the surplus money that they got from the federal government and stuff, that's some good ways of looking at how we can, can change that. So, yep. um, you know, there's a lot of good things I think that Chris has got an opportunity to do. And I just want to, you know, I'm asking the people in central Mississippi – so, man, step out and, and go with the most conservative candidate, and that is Chris McDaniel. Yep, yep. All right. Hey, I'm glad you mentioned. I, I do want to tell the listeners, uh, Neshoba County Fair uh, next week on Wednesday, July 26th, Delbert and Chris will both be on the stage. They start, uh, they're start. they on somewhere around 10 a.m. They'll get started. Um, and so get out and listen to them. Uh, I do want to give a shout-out one more time uh, to you, Tony Smith. You've got your restaurant, Stonewall's Barbecue, down in Picayune. If you're down in the area, you guys have been uh, nearly 30 years now uh, going strong. So get out and support small local businesses. Uh, Tony's got one down in Picayune, Stonewall's Barbecue, just like we have our supporters and um, our advertisers here in central Mississippi for our station Tony, it's a pleasure. Uh, we'll have to take a quick commercial break and just have a, a short 30 seconds when we come back. So I appreciate you coming on and keep working hard. All right. Well, Steve, thank you so much. And look, I just encourage folks, let's get out and vote. Chris McDaniel. All right. You heard. All right. With that, we'll take a quick commercial break. You're listening to the Clay Edwards Show. I'm Steve Utrowski filling in for Clay today. We're on 103.9 WYAB. We'll take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back. All right, we're breaking rules here on Clay Edwards' show. I'm Stephen Trotsky filling in for Clay. He's taking a day off, and it is a much-needed day off. I assure you, it is a tough business here on the radio. Uh, I, of course, had my own show, Liberty Wake Up Call, during session, covering all that is behind the closed doors of the Mississippi Legislative Session. But glad to be back on the radio today, filling in for Clay and letting him have a day off. Of course, this hour, if you listened in, had Tony Smith, former senator, from Picayune on the air talking about his take on the Mississippi uh, elections, uh, particularly the lieutenant governor's race. Uh, Got a lot of big races outside of that, uh, just legislative seats, a lot of uh, senator and representative seats going on all across the state, uh, but some good ones down in South Mississippi and uh, Tony's area. Didn't have enough time uh, on this hour to get into that with him, but I know there are several going on down there. Uh, got quite a few here in central Mississippi and in north Mississippi. There are some really heated ones going on, especially between some uh, incumbents and some non-incumbents challenging those. So if you haven't been following those, look at especially DeSoto County and then one up in Tupelo are getting really exciting uh, and got just two and a half weeks. August 8th is the primary, the Republican primary. So if you're a good Republican conservative, please get out and vote vote for conservatives, look at their actual policies and not just their push cards and their rhetoric that they push on their ads, look at what they've actually done, and vote for primarily non-incumbents, as all I can say. But with that, we'll see you next hour on The Clay Edwards Show. We'll be back.
breaking rules when necessary. Good morning. It's Friday. You listen to the second hour of the Clay Edwards Show here on 103.9 WYAB. We are Central Mississippi Stimulating Talk. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just not tuning in, if you didn't catch the first hour, as you may can tell, I am not Clay Edwards. Clay needed a day off, and this radio business is a tough business. It is draining on you, and so I am glad to step in and be able to give Clay a day off. Much needed, much deserved day off. I know firsthand how uh, draining it can be. And so y'all give Clay some love on his social media and wish him a good day on his day off. He'll be back on Monday. And as always, get out and support our local advertisers. We here at WAB take no government funding. We couldn't do it without your support. Based on the LWC index, we are the number one radio station in Central Mississippi that doesn't take government funding or tax dollars for advertising. All right, this hour... I have Andy Roth. He's the president of the State Freedom Caucus Network on the line. I said earlier at the beginning of the 7 o'clock hour, if you happen to be listening then, that I'd have Representative Steve Hopkins on the air. But part of being a part-time legislator is that you have a day job. And uh, Steve, unfortunately, got called away. Uh, he had to give us a rain check, but I'm glad to have Andy Roth on the line. He is the president of the State Freedom Caucus Network to step in. Andy, always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Good morning. Good morning, yep. And uh, so any of you that listened to my radio show uh, during session, when I was covering the session, Liberty Wake Up Call, I had Andy on then to talk some about the State Freedom Caucus Network. Uh, so I want you to talk some about the network, some about yourself, and kind of you know give the listeners who, who haven't heard from you before uh, kind of some background. But uh, I'm really glad to have you on uh, in, in place of Steve when Steve uh, you know had to depart us. Uh, because I wanted to talk with Steve some about the American Library Association and what's going on with them. Uh, so glad to have you on. I do want to get into that. But start us off, just tell us some about you know yourself and then about the network and what you guys are doing. Yeah, you know, I I used to have a, a normal day job. I used to work in the stock market. But uh, a little over 20 years ago, I made the horrible decision to go to Washington, D.C. <laughs> and work in the swamp. And uh, I've been uh, involved in the swamp for 20 years, fighting the good fight for limited government and liberty. And um, it's it, it opens your eyes to all the corruption that occurs in Washington D.C. But the shining light that exists in that in that town is the House Freedom Caucus. Yeah, and I've had the pleasure of working with them for a number of years. And a couple of years ago, we realized that the House Freedom Caucus is a great model to have in a legislative body. Why not try to replicate that in all 50 states? And so we launched the State Freedom Caucus Network in December of 2021. And we started helping states launch uh, state freedom caucuses. And Mississippi was uh, the very second uh, Freedom Caucus that we launched at the state level. We're also in places like South Carolina, Wyoming, Idaho, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and just recently Louisiana became our 11th uh, State Freedom Caucus. Now we're still a far cry from 50, but our goal is to get into all 50 eventually uh, because there are conservatives in all 50 states and their voices need to be heard, and the best way to do that is with these freedom caucuses. Yeah, I mean, you know, we 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 think about places like you know New York State and California that are just so liberal, 
but there still are pockets, you know, and, and mo- both of those states actually, you know, kind of in the northern region, you look upstate New York and then, you know, uh, northern California, you get a lot of conservatives that are out in the rural areas of these very liberal states. So even there, uh, and, and like you said, we have one now in Illinois, there's a Freedom Caucus in Illinois, which is actually, you know, more of the southern part of the state. Uh, away from Chicago, but there are good conservatives everywhere that, you know, sometimes they're very small, you know, concentrated pockets. Um, You know, we here in Mississippi, like you said, we were the second state to join the network. Mississippi Freedom Caucus was, um, you know, kind of already an entity for a few years before joining the network. But I will say just from our perspective in Mississippi is that the, the Mississippi Freedom Caucus you know, was an entity before, but really took off as a strong fighting uh, group once joining the network. Uh, you know, before the network, they they you know were working together, uh, caucusing together on votes, getting things pulled together. Uh, but the network helped you know make them a, a lean, mean fighting machine uh, in and doing all the things here in Mississippi that they're doing. And so, of course, Steve Hopkins uh, was the. Uh, he was the founding chairman of the uh, the Mississippi Freedom Caucus. Dana Chriswell is the chairman now. Steve rolled off his uh, term. And uh, so both of those guys, along with the other members of the Mississippi Freedom Caucus, are at the top of every conservative scorecard that's done. Any, No matter who it is or what they're doing, if it's a conservative scorecard, our Mississippi Freedom Caucus guys are at the top of them. You know, every time, and so you can rest assured that they are the most conservative, and they're fighting for conservative values. And like you said, we look at the U.S. House Freedom Caucus; those were the guys who were fighting, you know, to make sure McCarthy, when he was installed as Speaker, they made sure that the rules were in place to give conservatives a an actual fighting chance. Yeah, and and the the point that you're making about how uh, the freedom caucus members are at the top of the scorecard that is uh, something that we see across all of our states but the point that um i really try to emphasize with the public is that the establishment has a huge advantage at the state level uh for a number of reasons one is the establishment is kind of built uh, upon three parts and the first part is the executive branch and the governor, whether it's Democrat or Republican, the odds are that the governor is pretty bad. And they're going to push for bigger and bigger government. And they have all the resources they need. They have uh, lawyers on staff. They have consultants, advisors. They have parliamentarians. They have um, uh, a, a communications uh, uh, program. They've got everything they need in order to promote bigger government. Yep. Same thing with the bureaucracies that run state government. They have everything they need to promulgate rules, uh, influence uh, how uh, we live our lives. They have everything they need. And then the same thing, obviously, with the special interest lawyer or lobbyists. Yep. They especially have deep pockets. But the one group of people that don't have any resources available to them are conservative lawmakers who are trying to shrink government. Yep. And as you know, uh, most state lawmakers are part-time. Most people uh, don't even know who their state rep or their state senator is. And so it's obvious that the establishment is winning at the state level uh, across America. And so what we decided to do was create the State Freedom Caucus Network to just try and level that playing field and to give these conservative state lawmakers the resources they need 
in order to fight. And what we encourage them to do is to vote together, plan together, defend each other, and most importantly, be loud. And that's something that the Mississippi Freedom Caucus especially excels at, is that when there is something going on in the state of Mississippi, the Mississippi Freedom Caucus is arguably the only, if not one of the only, conservative voices out there shouting to the public saying, watch out, watch your pocket, watch your liberties. They're being taken from you. Yep. And speaking of uh, part-time lawmakers, uh, I'd said earlier, you know, that Steve Hopkins was going to join us, and then he got called away uh, briefly for work. But I think I got Steve on the line. Steve, are you there? Oh, must have lost him there. Um, he actually texted me, and he said, I got, I broke away for just a minute. I'm going to call in, and I had him on the line. And uh, we'll see. Let's see, I think I may have him. Steve, you there? Yep. Steve, thanks for joining us. Got Andy Roth on the line too. Uh, I told everybody that you know part-time lawmakers get called away for work sometimes, uh, but glad you texted him back and said you, you broke away for a couple minutes to come on. But uh, Andy was just—I had him on, you know, talking about the network and all the great things that uh, they're doing in the network, but all that uh, the Mississippi Freedom Caucus is doing, uh, you know, too. So uh, you were the founding chairman, of course. You rolled off your term, and uh, Dana's on now, but you're still fighting the good fight. Uh, in your last uh, year now as a representative, uh, keeping your campaign promises, you said you were going to go up there and uh, do you know basically what the Founding Fathers believed in, part-time lawmaker, go up there, do your duty to your state, to your fellow uh, Mississippians, and then go home and not be a full-time you know, politician for the rest of your life like so many Mississippians are. But, uh, Steve, glad to have you on the line here with us, too. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, uh, Andy, how are you? I'm doing well, Steve. Good to hear your voice. Well, guys, it's it's a never-ending fight. Um, I, I I got something that just kind of floored me. We had a great win and celebrate uh, some medical freedom uh, last week with the medical exemption uh, that we had to go through the courts to win yep. because. Uh, as you so eloquently said, Andy, the establishment is in control, and they don't want to do anything unless it, you know, benefits them. Uh, well, uh, MSDH has come up with a set of guidelines that's going to blow your mind. Uh, they're still saying that they can excuse you from being allowed to come to school if there's an outbreak of some disease that your child's not vaccinated for, they also require that you go to the state department of, or the uh, county department of health. The parent or guardian has to watch a vaccine education video and will be given the opportunity to ask questions. So they're going to put you through an indoctrination period uh, and run you through the ringer just to get which you should be able to uh, control anyway as a parent of your child. This is just, it's never ending. Yeah, and so what what he's talking about there is the the religious exemption. I talked about that some of the first hour with Tony Smith on the line, is that, you know, Delbert blocked a bill to do that. The legislature continually blocked a bill to do that. And a judge came out and ruled that it is our constitutional right 
to have a religious exemption for vaccines. We should be able, if we have a sincerely held religious belief, we should be able to exercise our religion. It's a First Amendment you know, issue. And um, I went back to try to find it. Uh, I couldn't find it. I saw somebody had posted that was in the court hearing, said that the judge made a statement. Uh, and, and, of course, this is me just kind of paraphrasing it uh, from what I remember reading, uh, but said that the judge made a statement, something like, that this was one of the most egregious forms of a First Amendment violation that he had seen since being on the bench. And Absolutely. so had to take it to the courts to get a sincerely held religious belief for Mississippians. Again, that's just one of the fights the Mississippi Freedom Caucus has been fighting. Uh, and then, the you know, Andy, the State Freedom Caucus Network has been helping fight, you know, across the country. Well, let me just say, too, while Andy's on the phone, uh, we, we fought the... Uh, region smart tri-state compact last year and we could not have defeated that without the help of andy um, and justin and the guys at the uh the freedom caucus network uh they rallied behind us we fought that fight uh, we got on the glenn Beck show and we were able to defeat one of the worst bills i've ever seen so kudos to Andy and his guys and what they're doing, because if we're going to change America, it's going to have to be done at the state levels and the state legislatures. And people have got to understand that just because they have Republicans in office doesn't mean that they stand on the Republican Party platform. So it is vital, the work that uh, Andy and Justin are doing in the network. Well, I appreciate that, Steve. But you guys are the ones that are on the front lines. We're just the we're just trying to to provide the supply lines to get you all the ammo and equipment you need to fight the good fight. But thank you very much. And let me make a comment about the the vaccine stuff uh, because um, since I am up here in the swamp in D.C., I want to bring your attention to a vote that occurred yesterday. Um, there was an amendment uh, to a spending bill. Uh, Mary Miller, a fantastic House Freedom Caucus member, offered an amendment uh, that would require all of the airlines to rehire the pilots that they forcibly uh, fired or asked to resign because they wouldn't take the vaccine. This amendment would require them to hire them back or to, to uh, backfill their pay. There were 83 Republicans who did not agree with that. Uh, oh, they, and one of them was Mike Easel from Mississippi, who sided with Benny Thompson to oppose that <laughs> amendment. Uh, both Kelly and Guest supported the amendment, but, but not uh, Mr. Easel. And there are Republicans all across the country who sided with the Democrats on this amendment. So I would encourage all of your listeners to find that vote and um, and look at who the Republicans are that, that oppose that, because that is the uniparty that we're fighting against when it comes to medical freedom, not at just the, the federal level, but this is a problem, as Steve said, at the state level, too. Right. Amen. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, South Mississippi had before that was Stephen Plazo, who was nothing but a swamp creature. And so it surprised me that he he lost Stephen Plaza lost his reelection last year to Mike Ezell, and it surprised me that they they 
they replaced one swamp creature with another. That's all they, you know, they, they actually had an opportunity. There was at least one liberty minded conservative running last year in that race. And I, I, he ended up getting like third or fourth place because there was, I, there was a, you know, loaded ticket. Lots of people were wanting to run against uh, Stephen Palazzo. Uh, but again, they, you know, South Mississippi, you know, votes for, uh, you know, another swamp creature in Mike Ezel, so I hope 2024 they'll remember that and they'll take another opportunity to uh, send the, the incumbent politician home. And Go ahead, Steve. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say uh, Raymond Brooks and Carl Boyenton were both in that race. Yep. Either one of those guys would have been fabulous. Uh, you know, I know Carl very well. Yeah, very liberty minded. And, you know, the folks on the coast, you know, we need you guys to uh, send a true conservative uh, to represent you and our state. Yep, absolutely. Look, hey, guys, we are coming up on a commercial break. Uh, You guys are listening to the Clay Edwards show. I'm filling in for Clay today. Stephen Utroska here on 103.9 WYAB. We are up on a commercial break, so we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. Welcome to the Clay Edwards Show, breaking rules when necessary. I am Stephen Utroska filling in for Clay today. Got here on the line still with me are both uh, Representative Steve Hopkins, founding chairman of the Mississippi Freedom Caucus, as well as Andy Roth. He is the president of the State Freedom Caucus Network. Um, Steve, I know that you're, uh, you know, wanted to be on with us uh got called away for a few minutes for work and then were able to break away and be on with this last segment i know you're about to have to head back out uh so just want to thank you for coming on all that you're continuing to do i know that uh as your term uh ends uh next year uh, going into january you'll just be back in the civilian life i know we haven't seen the last of you i know you have many things planned to continue to be in the fight just in different roles Oh, absolutely. I, I plan to re-enter what I really am at heart, and that's an activist. And uh, I'm going to stay very active and do everything I can to educate the masses on what it really means to be a Republican and to look at the voting records of the people that you're voting for. And we couldn't do it without the work of people like you, Stephen, and Andy, and uh, all the people putting in the hard work and all the Freedom Caucuses across the country. So we've got to stay in the fight whether we're in office or out of office, and that's exactly what I uh, plan on doing. Yep, and I will mention the, the Mississippi Freedom Caucus has uh, endorsed eight different candidates uh, across the state in legislative races, uh, all non-incumbents. And so uh, hopefully with those elections coming up on August 8th in the Republican primary, we'll have a good uh, you know, panel of, of new Freedom Caucus members coming on to continue the legacy uh, that you are leaving and the other guys in the Freedom Caucus are leaving. So I know that they will be in good hands and they will be fantastic to work with next year in the legislative session. Amen. Thanks, guys. It was good talking. Thanks, Steve. All right, Andy. Uh, so – uh, what what Steve and I wanted to talk about, if he would have had more time, and again, you know, that's that's the you know the the downfall of being a part time legislature 
is you actually have a job outside of it. You got to work. You know, you go into session January, February, and March, and the rest of the year, you got to go back to your regular, you know, part time job, which, you know, I, I say it's a downfall. It's a great thing. I think that's the way the founders designed it and believed in it that you're not a, a full time politician. You don't stay in it for a lifetime career. And so, you know, kudos to the guys that do that and take that to heart. Uh, but I did want to talk about. Uh, some that, you know, Mississippi Freedom Caucus has been a part of this, but the State Freedom Caucus, uh, you know, really has had a big push across the country. Uh, Montana Freedom Caucus being the first one to come out and push this is, uh, you know, this American Library Association deal that's going on. Uh, it's been a movement spreading across the country. Uh, of course, you guys have led the effort with the Montana Freedom Caucus and the Mississippi Freedom Caucus uh, being a part of that, releasing a press release last week on this. But um, what I, it kind of started with, Montana Freedom Caucus was pushing on the Montana Library Association because of their uh, uh, association with the American Library Association. And upon leaving, this is the statement that the Montana Library Association made. They said, Our oath of office and resulting duty to the Constitution forbids association with an organization led by a Marxist, which is what has now come out about the American Library Association, that their new president that they just installed is a self-proclaimed, this is her words, lesbian Marxist. Yeah, so let let me rewind uh, the tape a little bit. Um, As your listeners probably remember, the National uh, School Board Association uh, a couple of years ago asked uh, Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice to investigate parents and consider them domestic terrorists yep. uh, because of all the school board fights that have been occurring over the last several years. Uh, as soon as that happened, a lot of states immediately withdrew from the National School Board Association. And I can guarantee you that this is playing over again with the American Library Institution. These these associations. These associations may sound innocuous, but they have been absolutely infiltrated by the left. And I can tell you with 100% certainty that the American Library Association is the backbone to the entire library system in our country. They receive federal funding and they provide all of the training for all of the librarians across our country. So imagine that when you are a new librarian, who are the people that are telling you how to do your job? Marxists yeah. uh, from a Marxist organization. And then they send you back to your community and, indoct- and basically you are now in charge of indoctrinating the kids in that community. And that's, fundamentally and ideologically corrupt, but it's worse than that. They take our tax dollars and they buy uh, pornographic books, Marxist books. They buy them in bulk with our tax dollars and then put them in our libraries to indoctrinate our kids. Why on earth are we funding this or paying for them? Why are our states Uh, members of this organization, it is high time, well past time, to get out of the American Library Association. So to your point, Montana was the first to leave and currently is the only one to leave. But our Idaho Freedom Caucus, the great folks at the Mississippi Freedom Caucus, South Carolina, Arizona, Pennsylvania, on and on, 
we have, I believe, at last count, 11 states that are now calling on their state library associations to withdraw from the ALA, cut all ties, cut all funding, and absolutely dismantle this Marxist organization. And and I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm excited that the Mississippi Freedom Caucus is a part of it. And I can tell you that this is just the beginning. Yeah. This is going to snowball downhill real fast. Yeah, and so with the Mississippi Freedom Caucus, uh, so they, they partnered up with a couple of senators, one of those being Angela Hill, uh, and and she's been very much in in this fight. She again, I, you know, in the first hour talked about Angela Hill because she was the one that introduced the bill in Mississippi that ultimately passed, uh, basically, you know, to the uh, the chagrin of of Delbert Hoseman who tried to kill it. Uh, but Angela Bills, uh, Angela Hill, her bill that kept you know boys out of girls sports. Uh, so she altered that, championed it, got it passed in Mississippi. But she had also been looking into this uh, alongside, you know, kind of the same time the Mississippi Freedom Caucus had. Uh, and, and the data she found said that, you know, over $70,000 of taxpayer money, of, of money she could account for, though. You know, so we, we suspect that there's even more than that, uh, and that's just in the last two terms, uh, even more than that has been spent directly funding the American Library Association, uh, but over $70,000, and that's just for state agencies. That doesn't include counties. That doesn't include municipalities. That doesn't include anything but state agency level or universities that have spent $70,000 towards this Marxist organization. So she, she you know, compiled a lot of this data in you know, partnership with the Mississippi Freedom Caucus, and then they released a, a statement. And I'm going to uh, read some from the Mississippi Freedom Caucus's statement about this, their press release they put out. Of course, they put the quote, from the Montana Library Association, I'm gonna, uh, I'll read that again and then read some from their press release. Again, that quote from Montana Library Association, when they left ALA, they said, Our oath of office and resulting duty to the Constitution forbids association with an organization led by Marxists. And the Mississippi Freedom Caucus says in their press release, We agree. No decent American should tolerate the promotion of sexually explicit materials to children. Yet that is just what the president-elect of the ALA, a self-proclaimed Marxist, has dedicated her career to promoting. And they go on to say that the Mississippi Freedom Caucus teams with Senators Chris McDaniel, Angela Hill, Melanie Sojourner, and Kathy Chisholm uh, as members of the Mississippi legislature calling on all state agencies and universities to immediately withdraw, separate, and denounce the ALA and discontinue any further payments to that organization. Uh, And then they kind of finish up their press release by saying, as state legislators, we are particularly charged with ensuring uh, taxpayer-funded institutions take no part in furthering ethically and morally repugnant agendas inconsistent with the values of the state of Mississippi. 100% agree with that statement. 100% agree with their their press release that they put out. And it's something that I know they will continue to look into. You know, again, the the state, you know, at the state level in the last two terms found that they spent over $70,000 and you know, if you if you get down into the, of course, most of our libraries that we have in Mississippi are at the county level, and so if you look at the county level, much more than that has probably been spent, and we need to withdraw from any organization that is promoting, you know, I mean, Marxism is what it is, but also, again, you know, the sexually explicit material, porn, you know, they're, they're, that's what they're pushing. Yeah, and, and and don't forget, there are also the ones that proudly uh, participate and host drag queen story hours. 
um, you know, which boggles the mind. Like, I, I can't believe I, we're even talking about this. Uh, you spend just five seconds on the American Library Association's website, and you think you were, you know, in San Francisco in the most progressive Marxist website you could possibly find. And what's most appalling about that is that it, they're using our tax dollars to, to spread this news. So yeah. it's it's well past time that our states have got to get out of it. This is just uh, atrocious. Yep. And look, what's so when this when this press release came out, the uh, you know Mississippi Freedom Caucus came out with a press release. Uh, I saw it, and, and like I do a lot of times when I see good stories uh, from conservative organizations, I'll forward those. I have contacts, you know, with some of our uh, media in Mississippi, and I'll forward them stories that I see that uh, that haven't been reported on in Mississippi. Things that they haven't reported on, I think that they may be interested in reporting. And so I sent this press release uh, to a couple, you know, media's in Mississippi. And, of course, you know, we, we have very few – well, any anyway, across the country it's a problem having media that's actually, you know, either unbiased or leans conservative right. You know, that's very rare to see at all. And so the same – you know, same is true here in Mississippi. We have very little media in Mississippi that is either honest reporting or, you know, leans a little center right. And uh, But, you know, we have a couple, so I sent, you know, the press release when I saw it, sent it out to some of them thinking they may want to report on it because they hadn't yet. And uh, what I got back was uh, from, from one reporter, he said, uh, yeah, you know, I think I'd really like to see a little more information about that, a little more digging into the data. Like, if you can bring me more information, then maybe I'll report on it. And that just mm-hmm. blew my mind. I mean, what more information? Like you said, you can go to their website, the ALA's website, and see that they're they're blatantly, a, you know, a, a – you know, liberal is a, a nice way of explaining what they are, but a Marxist organization that Mississippi tax dollars are clearly going to. It's public information. That's very easy to find the data. And I, you know, I talked to Senator Angela Hill, and she shared the data with me, and so I had the raw data and the links to it where you could find it. Everything's public information, and even with all that, our own media wouldn't wouldn't report on it. And that, that's why the Mississippi Freedom Caucus is so valuable in your state, is that they can immediately alert the public and uh, uh, across the entire state and tell them what's going on. And even though the Mississippi Freedom Caucus may be just one voice now, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that this entire story is going to snowball to our benefit um, and eventually uh, the, there's going to be a lot of pressure brought to bear on the establishment in Mississippi to make a decision on what to do on this, and it's going to be good to have that debate, and it's going to be good for our parents, our families, our kids uh, to finally eventually uh, cut ties with the ALA. Yep, yep, and again, just another reason why we should have a parent's bill of rights here in Mississippi so that parents can actually know what their children are learning, actually be able to see what, you know, schools, what libraries, what, you know, what are, you know, the public institutions are teaching our children. We should have a parent's bill of rights that gives them the right to know what their children are learning. And our supermajority Republican legislature here in Mississippi killed that bill this year. I saw Texas, you know, I mentioned this in the first hour, Texas uh, signed their bill into law. Greg Abbott signed their parents' bill right into law yesterday, but we here in Mississippi can't get that across the finish line. Yeah, and, you know, this reminds me of uh, a quote attributed to Nikita Khrushchev, who was the, uh, I don't know what you called him back then, but he ran the USSR back uh, during the Cold War days, and 
He said you cannot introduce communism to the American public overnight. Uh, you have to give it to them drip by drip by drip until one day they wake up and there's communism. Yep. And I think that the American public are starting to realize that that day may have arrived uh, in in um, in in a few different ways. And we've seen because of the COVID. Uh, pandemic. We've seen the kind of liberties that have been taken away from us, but it's our fault. We gave them the power to begin with, and we gave the power to these libraries. We gave them money. We gave them uh, the authority to do all of these things that they're now doing against us. Yep. And so I think that the, it's only natural that we stand up and say, no more and that we've got to take our rights back and so th this is something that we got to fight for and if we can't do this boy we're in trouble yep. um but uh i'm glad we're doing it i'm glad we're doing it now yep all right look we're up on a commercial break andy i appreciate you coming on i know you have to head out uh but it's always a pleasure to have you and to hear more about what uh you guys are doing what the mississippi freedom caucus is doing uh within the network uh, all that you're doing across the country. We've got to take back over our country state by state, and I think that's where we'll do it. And with your help at the network, we'll continue to be able to take back over our country through our state legislatures. Thanks, Stephen. And I know you're only guest hosting today, but what you're doing just to uh, amplify this is much needed. As I mentioned before, one of the reasons why we're losing at the state level is that there aren't enough loud voices uh alerting the public to what's going on and so i just appreciate everything that you're doing so thank you very much absolutely Thanks for thank having you me. all right you're listening to the clay edwards show again i am steven utrosa guest hosting for clay on his day off today so with that we'll take a quick commercial break you listen to 1039 wyab we will be right back breaking rules when necessary Welcome back to the Clay Edwards Show. I am Stephen Utroska filling in for Clay. Again, Clay's taking a day off. Tough business being on the radio. It is draining. I'm glad to be able to give him the day off. He'll be back on Monday. Had a great show so far today. We'll have two short segments to end out the hour. I did want to mention something that uh, I haven't seen or seen very few, if anybody else, in Mississippi talking about, but there was uh, an amendment introduced in the Senate a U.S. Senate by Senator Rand Paul, he introduced uh, an amendment to a bill. Uh, and basically the amendment said that Congress is the only one that has the express authority to enter us into war, that NATO does not have the authority to declare wars and send our U.S. men and women to die in their war unless our Congress has first declared war and approved that. Sounds like a very uh, reasonable bill, basically saying our Constitution supersedes anything that the NATO wants to do. They can't do anything without uh, the approval of Congress, which our Constitution says. And both Mississippi senators, both Cindy Hyde-Smith and Roger Wicker, voted against the bill. They did not agree that our Constitution supersedes NATO. They want to, apparently, based on the, the vote that they made, they want to give NATO the authority to send our men and women to die without the approval of Congress. Got a short clip. This is Senator Rand Paul proposing his amendment. My amendment reasserts that Article 5 of the NATO Treaty does not supersede Congress's power under Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11 of our Constitution to declare war. According to our Constitution, we resort to war only after the people's elected representatives 
deliberate and determine that it is in our best interest. My amendment is also consistent with the NATO Treaty. Article 5 of the Treaty commits allies to respond to an attack, but allows each ally to determine whether to engage in military hostilities. Article 11 of the NATO Treaty states its provisions are to be carried out by each country's constitutional process. We cannot delegate our responsibility to NATO, nor are we expected to. Let us reaffirm that Article 5 does not supersede Congress's responsibility to declare war. So there you have it. That was his explanation of the amendment. Short explanation makes sense 100%. There should be absolutely no reason why any Republican should vote against this. Any Republican that believes in our Constitution should vote against this. But there you have it. Both Cindy Hyde-Smith and Roger Wicker voted against that amendment. Unbelievable. But that's what we get with Mississippi false conservatism. With that, we got to take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we'll just have a about a minute left to end out the hour. You listen to The Clay Edwards Show. I am Stephen Utroska filling in for Clay on 103.9 WYAB. We'll take a quick break, and we will be right back. I am Stephen Utroska. And I am sitting in for Clay today, guest hosting his show. I appreciate him giving me the opportunity to do it on his day off. He will be back on Monday, so tune in on Monday to get back to his normally scheduled shenanigans, breaking rules and uh, setting things on fire. I know he does a good job at that, so tune back in on Monday. Clay will be back for a three-hour show, but in the meantime... Next week on Wednesday, don't forget that the Neshoba County Fair is coming up with all the political talks. Of course, on Wednesday, July 26, Chris McDaniel will be on stage at 1020. Highly recommend if you have the time to get out and listen to him. The election, of course, is on August 8th. The polls will be open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. You can also get out and vote absentee ballot right now. They have already opened. The county courthouse has already opened up for that across the state so you can get out if you will not be able to get to the polls uh, for work or if you will be out of the county or other reasons. Uh, There's several reasons uh, that the state allows you to vote by absentee ballot. To do that, you have to go to the county courthouse and do it in person at the county courthouse, but you can do that now already you can go and absentee ballot vote so please get out and either vote by absentee ballot or show up to the polls on august 8th and vote 7 a.m to 7 p.m this state will look much different i assure you in four years four years from now this state will look much different depending on how this election turns out it can either look much different for the better or much different for the worse, and it's all based on how you vote. So get out and vote on August 8th. With that, you all have a great weekend. Clay will be back on Monday. See you then.